You're listening to Forecast, the marketing podcast for professional services leaders. If you're looking to generate more leads, win more deals, and take your firm to the next level, this show is your shortcut. Hey there, folks. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Ahmed Munawar, and I've got another hot seat interview for you today with Naeem Ali. Naeem is a CBTC consultant. And if you don't know what CBTC stands for, don't feel bad. I had no clue either until I met Naeem. CBTC stands for Communications-Based Train Control. It's a railway signaling system that makes use of the telecommunications between the train and the track equipment for traffic management and infrastructure control, and that is the official Wikipedia definition. Naeem is a true expert. He's one of a handful of people in the world who have this kind of deep expertise in deploying CBTC railway systems. He's also an alumnus of my coaching program. He came to me almost a year ago now when he was looking to start his own consulting practice. So I asked him to come on the show today to talk about how things are going. And I think he's in a really interesting place right now in that there are a lot of people who are following him. There are a lot of people who are paying attention to what he's doing and what he's saying, and they're reading his thought leadership. His next challenge, though, is to turn that thought leadership and those followers into conversations, which will hopefully lead to contracts. And that's what we tackle together in this interview. Show notes are at forecast.fm slash CBTC. If you haven't yet subscribed to the show, you can go ahead and do that right now. Type in forecast marketing in your favorite podcast player. Look for the blue graphic. It says forecast on it. Click on that and hit subscribe. One last thing. If you're interested in getting on the hot seat yourself, send me an email at ahmed at boutiquegrowth.com. That's A-H-M-A-D at boutiquegrowth.com. Tell me a little bit about your business and what you're struggling with, and I'll let you know if you qualify to get on the hot seat. With that, here is Naeem. Naeem, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. So you are on the hot seat, my friend. That's a role that you played in the, in the past. So I think you, <laughs> hopefully you feel comfortable in that role. It's, it's familiar, so I should be okay. <laughs> so Naeem, why don't you uh, get us started by just telling everybody a little bit about your business and what you're up to? Sure. So uh, I'm a CBTC specialist or an expert. It's basically communication-based train control systems. It's a bit of a niche market. It's where... Uh, we develop driverless train control systems for urban transit, uh, like Toronto Transit Commission, New York City Transit, etc. Uh, it's a disruptive technology. It's fairly new uh, over the last 30 years, and it's uh, changing the way uh, signaling systems work. Whereas 150 years was a certain way to do things, and now with CBTC, it's completely altered that. And there's few people with that knowledge, uh, and I'm one of the few people that has that. And many of these transit operators are looking for this expertise, and that's where my business comes in. I provide that expertise to help them deploy the CBTC solutions on their property, and uh, and that's what I do. Now, I'm familiar with your background, but give folks a little bit of an appreciation of the types of projects that you've worked on in the space. Uh, I've uh, I've been in this industry for the past. 18, almost 20 years, uh, and I worked on seven or eight different projects. The, the few of them that I worked on are places like uh, Newark Airport uh, Monorail, Jacksonville, Las Vegas Monorail, 
um, Mecca Metro, Toronto Transit Commission, Singapore, and all of these systems are are fully automated, fully driverless uh, systems, and it's a, it's a all encompassing. Uh, meaning, it takes the various components of the of the train control systems and combines it into into one fully automated system. Um, so those are the projects that I worked on, um, and uh, working on the Singapore now, or sorry, TTC now. Okay, so I know I know you've played different roles in the industry, working with the transit commissions, working with the consulting firms. Tell us a story of how you started your own firm. Well, I was working for a company that developed CBTC solutions for a good 15, 15 years. Uh, and honestly, I thought I would retire with that company. Um, I enjoy the work. It's very interesting. I travel the world. Um, but after about 15 years, it became uh, a bit of a, a routine, and I was looking for something different, so I broke out. Um, I first uh, left this company and started with a consulting firm. So I got uh, introduced to how consultants work, um, and on the client side, meaning before I was working on the supplier side, and, and now I'm starting to work for the client side, like uh, Toronto Transit Commission or New York City Transit, etc. Once I was exposed to that, I realized, you know, I had an expertise that was in high demand. And uh, there was no reason why I could not do the same on my own. And so I decided to break out. And this was about two years ago, uh, January of 2016, January 18th, 2016, when I, when I first broke out. Um, and uh, when I did that, uh, it was surprising to me how, um, how many people were reaching out to me in terms of my expertise. Uh, I've had contracts in, in Europe. Austria, Switzerland. Um, I've had contracts in Canada, uh, Alberta, and now I'm currently in, in Toronto. So it was surprising to me when I first broke out in 2016, the interest that I generated and the number of people that were approaching me and are still approaching me. So two years later, I, I have to have to say it was a it was a great uh, it was a great choice. I will and I and I would do it again, all over again. No regrets. Yeah, I mean, I see this time and time again. In many ways, this is the this is the perfect opportunity where you have somebody like yourself who's got 15, 20 years of experience in something that's really specialized and in which there are very few true authentic experts. And then you you go out on your own and you essentially create a market for yourself because it's hard to find people like you. And when they find you, you know, they're willing to pay the price that you that you demand. Right. And what's uh, what's interesting is that uh, people don't even realize that, that they are an expert or they have a certain knowledge that's in high demand. Uh, it, it just, once, you, once it dawns on you, once you break out, it kind of hits you all at once because the, the amount of interest that's generated is it's, uh, it's amazing. You keep saying break out, and I'm reminded of prison. <laughs> it sounds it sounds like it sounds like you broke out of prison, which is funny. But anyhow, we don't we don't have to get into that. Well, you know, it, when you're working a full time job, it's a nine to five. You kind of go in, uh, do your thing, you leave, and, and that's it. So I wouldn't call it prison. It was very interesting the stuff that I did, but this is a different lifestyle as well. It's a little more a little more free. Let's just say. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. So. Let's let's talk about where we're at today, Naeem. I know things are moving, you're growing, but you've got some challenges. Can you help us just articulate what some of those challenges are? Um, so I'm trying to. Uh, well, so some of the things that I'm trying to do is trying to generate uh, 
not necessarily interest. The interest is there. I've had the interest there with my blog posts and whatnot. Uh, I've been working on that, as you know, for the last little while. And the blog posts were generating uh, interest and, and I was getting connections, getting likes uh, and whatnot. And, and the problem that I was having at the time before I, before I met you, Ahmed, is uh, how do I take this interest and convert it into some contracts? The way I was doing it before was basically I see someone who liked my blog post or, or was having a conversation by leaving a comment, and I was just kind of directly go after him. It's like, hey, this is Naeem. Give me a contract in a nutshell. <laughs> it wasn't exactly like that. It was more like, uh, you know, if you need my help, why don't you contact me? Um, and after going through your your process, your, your sessions uh, that we had there, I realized, no, that's the absolute the wrong way to do it. Uh, so since then, I've implemented your process. Uh, I started with the generating the interest with a blog post, created the white paper, um, and uh, created that whole process where we would get them to download the white paper, uh, grab the email address, and now we have, you know, from the top of the funnel, we went to the middle where we create awareness. Now I'm down at the bottom where I've got all these connections that are downloading my white paper, giving me their, me their email addresses, but then how do I take these emails uh, and actually, or these emails and, and convert them into a contract? And that's where I'm at now. It's at the bottom point of that funnel. It's trying to convert this interest into a real contract. Right. So, so I know we've got a couple of things that we want to go through today. Let's tackle them one by one. That's the first point. Right. Uh, so, so somebody downloads the white paper that you, you, they give you their email address, what else are you asking for? Name and email, basically? Name, uh, email, their title, uh, and that's it. Okay. And then you send them an email with the white paper. What happens after that from an email perspective? Well, the email goes into my uh, MailChimp, which is my uh, the tool that I use to, to send out my bulk mail. And then from there, uh, it gets sent into my CRM in Pipedrive. So this is all automated process. It gets into there, and then I look at PipeDrive to see how many people downloaded my white paper, who they are, and then I'll do a little bit of research on them uh, through LinkedIn to see what they're all about uh, and just to perform some basic triage of that list. Right, but from the recipient's perspective, they get the white paper, and then what happens next? From there, nothing. <laughs> they get the white paper, and that's the end of it. I have their email, and that's it. I don't approach it after that. Okay. So that's certainly, I think, uh, a low hanging fruit here is that a lot of people download stuff. And I think, uh, do you, do you know offhand what the open rate is on the email with the white paper? Uh, when I send out an email to them or when they download the white paper, when they, when they get the email with the white paper, no, I don't send them the white paper. They basically, when they go to my website and they give me the information, they would click on a link and download it themselves. Mm, okay, got it. And then do they get any emails from you after that? And then every three weeks, I will send them an email based on a relevant topic about CBTC, about my industry. And I've been doing that for the last uh, six months. So they've been seeing my emails every three or four weeks. And, and what are the open rates like on that email, on those emails? When I send it out, I will get the highest I've had is 59% and the lowest I've had is 40. So I'd say on average about 45% open rate. Yeah, that's very good. And that's not surprising. So I would do I would do a couple of things here, Name. Um, so first of all, if we step back for a minute, the question is, your question is, how do I convert these white paper subscribers into clients, contracts? 
And um, that's a fair question. There's a missing layer in there, though. We want to convert the white paper subscribers into relationships that we can then convert into clients. Right. So before somebody hires you, we need to we need you to develop a relationship with them. Once you have a relationship, once they're comfortable with you, once they see you as the expert that that's going to solve their problem, then you get the contract. So the immediate step is how do we go from white paper subscriber to relationship? Um, and more specifically, how do we go from white paper subscriber to conversation? Because a conversation is what's required to build a relationship. Right. All right. So I would say a couple of things. The low-hanging fruit here that I see are to, first of all, add a an autoresponder to that white paper download. And what that is, is it's a series of automated emails that go out immediately after somebody downloads the white paper. So you're giving them immediate access to the white paper once they, once they go through your process, which is great. Uh, but I would also have an automatic email go out right there immediately. Um, that says, hey, thanks for downloading the white paper. Here's a link again, just in case you need to dig it up. Because what happens is folks will lose the link and then they'll go back to their email to try to dig it up. But if they don't find it, then then they're out of luck, right? So you want an email to be in there with the link to the white paper, clearly labeled, clear subject line, so they can find it when they need it, right? That also okay. gives them an opportunity to share that with their colleagues by forwarding the email to their staff or whoever it may be, okay? Okay. That's the first thing. Then as far as the autoresponder goes, that would be the first automated email. And then I would do a series of emails after that. And the frequency and the number of emails, that can all be debated. Um, but some kind of automated sequence that essentially builds on the topic. Because what happens is people download these white papers. And, and I know yours in particular is very long and very technical and very detailed, right? And, yeah. you know chances are when I download it, I don't have the time to read it right away. It's not like a, it's not a five minute read in your case, right? It's, I need to dedicate some time to really understand this thing, right? Right. So what happens is I say, oh, this looks amazing. I'm going to download it. I'm going to put it on my desktop. I'm going to get back to it later. And then later never comes. So what you want to do is build an, a follow-up sequence, an autoresponder, but just, you know, it just, it, it, it effectively serves as a reminder. Um, but you're not saying, hey, Read, read this, just a reminder to read this. You're, you're giving them valuable information that serves as a reminder that, you know what, I really should read that white paper. So I'll give you an example. You could do a simple five-day follow-up sequence. So somebody downloads a white paper on Monday, they get the email with the link on Monday, and then you send them an email for the following four or five days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Or you might spread it out and do it every few days over the course of a couple of weeks, either way, right? And in those emails, you could simply uh, include some excerpts from the white paper. You could include some stories of the uh, kind of the, the 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 mistakes that you've seen CBTC operators make when it comes to the issues you discuss. You could include things like case studies and testimonials from clients that you've worked with. Uh, you could include any of the above. The point is to show up in their inbox, give them something valuable that indicates to them that, oh, I really should read this white paper, um, but also gives them an opportunity to take the next step with you. And, and that's really what we have to we have to clarify here is what is the next step? How do I uh, if I want to talk to Naeem, how do I talk to Naeem? Um, is it it could be something as simple as if you have any questions, hit reply to this email and I'd love to talk. It could be a, an automated scheduling link where they can get time on your calendar. Uh, you could structure a proper consultation and and have like a certain uh, a, a certain formality around that. I mean, that that's all you know, those are all options. But to make clear in those emails. If you want to take the next step, here's how you do it. Okay. 
Okay, so so you're achieving a few things with this with these with these autoresponders. You're showing up in their inbox more often, and it's good that you're emailing every three weeks. I mean, that's that's good, right? But you want to show up more often right after they download something because chances are they're interested right then and there. Right. So you're showing up more often early on in the relationship. You're giving them something valuable to consume, which points to the value in the white paper in case they haven't consumed it. And most likely they haven't consumed it. And you're giving them an opportunity to take the next step with you and making that clear in the email itself. Now, those series of emails you're talking about, what if they're right from the white paper itself? Let's say chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. I'm not opposed to that. Uh, I think. You could do just a little bit of work to make it stand out. That would be would would be worthwhile. Um, so maybe you you add a little bit of commentary or you add some context because pulling out an entire chapter and all of its kind of technical details in, and putting it into an email might appear to be awkward, and that's the risk there, right? So maybe you take up you know how long is a chapter? Uh, let's say a thousand words. Yeah, I mean that's a bit extensive for an email, but maybe you take a portion of a chapter, maybe take you know three four three four hundred words, and mm -hmm. you 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 frame it up in a context, right? So here's the issue that I see a lot is CBTC providers make this mistake. I actually cover this issue in the white paper in this chapter. Here's a quick excerpt. Oh, I see. And then you have the I excerpt, see. you add some context. If you want to learn more about that topic, well, the entire chapter is dedicated to it. So just check it out in the white paper. Here's a link again in case you lost it, which again, if it's me, I'll appreciate that because I lose stuff all the time, right? Oh, yeah. and by the way, um, if, if you want to talk about how you can avoid this mistake specifically for your operation, um, I'm a phone call away. Just click here to schedule a call. So you're saying it's almost like a commercial. So I'm I giving them the white paper. They have it. So email one number one is the link. Email number two would be a little commercial saying, hey, chapter one talks about this, 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 this. You might want to read it uh, unless you want to talk to me. Give me a call or, get, or click on this link and let's set up an appointment. That's basically what you're saying. So it's a very short email for the next four or five days. Yeah, you're exactly. You're effectively promoting the white paper through that email, giving them a chance to speak with you if they're interested. And I would also mix in some customer case studies and testimonials there. And regarding the, the white paper? Well, regarding the issues that you talk about in the white paper, because the white paper is okay. one thing, right? But I also want to see that you've applied these ideas to an actual customer or an actual project, right? And whether or not you use a customer's name is a detail, right? But I want you to tell me a story of how these ideas have saved somebody else money, time, grief, maybe their jobs, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like I want you to tell me a story of CBTC gone wrong and how you and your team or whoever you were working with came in and, and saved the day with the ideas in this white paper. Okay. I think that would go a long way. So some combination of promoting the white paper, telling these kinds of stories and you know, ultimately, the goal, the goal is the following. I mean, we went through the I know when we worked together, we went through the uh, the the story brand storytelling framework. The, the goal right. is that they need to see you as the guide. Right. And remember, the guide in Donald Miller, Donald Miller's words, uh, there's two there's two elements to being the guide. There's authority and empathy. Right. Authority is achieved largely through the white paper and your background, your experience. Not that hard. Right. You, you've got the authority. It's oozing out of your ears, right? Yeah. Um, empathy is really where I think maybe there there may be an opportunity here to do a little bit to, to do a little bit more, right? Talk about the challenges that they're facing. Talk about the customers that you've helped. Help them see themselves in those customers' shoes, um, and then hopefully see you as as the guide. 
so a story with me as the hero, them as the, the, the person in distress, and I have a solution that solves the problem. And that's, that's the email, and a very small, short way of uh, putting that together in an email. Yeah. If you can get customers to actually give you a testimonial, that's ideal. Short of that, you tell the story yourself. Testimonial. Okay. Right. So if a customer, an actual CBTC operator, right, comes in and says, hey, we had this issue. Well, you did a testimonial for me. So you know how it works. Right. Yeah. Whether it's video or text. I mean, that's that's a detail. Right. We had this issue. Naeem came in. He saved the day. We couldn't be happier. Okay. All right. So that's that's one that's one solution to your uh, your your very good. I have a lot of white paper download problem. <laughs> well, that's that's the that's the beginning part of it, I guess. So once they download it, we have this series of emails that kind of promotes the white paper, gets them to read it. If not, then to click a link to to schedule something with me. What do you do longer term after that five day or even a several week period? And you have these these list of people that are there in your CRM. Yeah. So okay. So a couple of things. The second thing is I like what you're doing with the, the with the the email every three weeks with a piece of content. That's really good. Keep doing that. The one thing that might be missing, and it's related to what we just talked about, is what is the next step? If I want to talk to you, how do I do it? Why should I do it? How does that work? For myself. Yeah. So if a customer or a client, a prospect wants to then have a conversation with you after reading one of your emails, what do they do? Well, on the bottom of the email, there's there's a link that says uh, if they'd like to schedule a consultation, they should click on this link if they want to download. Basically, that's that's at the bottom of the email. It basically says that uh, if they want to schedule a consultation, click here. And how has that worked so far? So far, I don't know if they came from the email or if it came from a website, but I've had maybe two or three or four people mentioning it. And it was more uh, people saying something like, uh, just give me more information about CBTC. It wasn't like, let's talk. <laughs> just more information about this or that topic. So I'm wondering if you could get more specific about what you would cover on that consultation. And if that would help people, if, if that would give people more incentive to want to have the call. Okay, so something like... Uh, I'd have to think about that. Do you see what I'm saying? Because like if, if it's I haven't read the email, obviously, right? but if it's something as simple as, hey, get a free consultation, click here. I mean, nobody wants a consultation. Well, what I say is, uh, is your team lacking in CBTC expertise? Are you concerned about the solution you're deploying? Schedule a consultation. Something to that effect. So let me ask you this. If I do a consultation with you, what do I get in the end? You would get some, you know, I haven't been through that process yet, so I don't know. Yeah, in theory, like what's you know, in theory, I, I would expect them to tell me what they're what they're doing, what their problem is that they're trying to solve. And I would try to give them some advice uh, on how to how to move forward with that problem. And then uh, if the conversation goes further, have a schedule maybe for the meeting. Yeah, I mean, I, I would think about uh, just kind of getting really clear and specific on the on the value in that consultation and what people are going to walk away with. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, let's let's talk about this. Let's talk about this hot seat interview. The way that I frame this hot seat interview for you and for anybody that comes on the show is 
we're going to focus on your number one marketing challenge. We're going to talk about the problem. We're going to identify the problem. We're going to brainstorm some solutions. But by the end of it, we want you to walk away with an action plan of exactly what you need to do next. Okay. So coming into it, the, the hope is you have a pretty clear idea on what you're going to walk away with. And as a result, I've gotten a pretty high success rate on people accepting these requests. Right. So by the end of the consultation with my clients, let's say, or potential client is uh, by the time they walk away from it. That's a tough one. I, I'd have to think about what I would actually accomplish at the end of that con consultation, because the project that I'm dealing with here, CBTC Solutions, they're hundreds of millions of dollars. They're massive projects over three years. So when someone's having a consultation with me, you, you can't solve the problem in that meeting. It, all you can do is give them advice in which direction to take or which direction to go or which uh, solution to maybe do some more research on. That's the most you can do. Really, that consultation is more a, uh, just to feel a person out so the person can hear my voice, get comfortable with me to the point where I may be able to schedule something with them afterwards. That, but that's a more of a me perspective. I, I don't have anything for them of what I would accomplish at the end of that meeting. Well, how long is a consultation? Uh, let's say one hour. Okay. So, okay. I think there's a couple of ways you could go here. So, so one question I have for you is, is there a specific juncture in a CBTC project that is ideal for you to get involved? Uh, I'd say at the very beginning, when they're defining the requirements, that would be one point. The next point would be There'd be three points. One is at the beginning when the requirements are being defined. Next would be when the development and design is ongoing. And then the third would be when they're actually deploying the solution in the field. So three three points where it would be ideal. So one idea is you go ahead and you d dive deeper into those three points. And you have like a little page that says, you basically have a sales page where you're selling the consultation. And you say, if you're in one of these three scenarios, you're developing requirements, you're reviewing designs, whatever it may be, right? Then this consultation's for you. You will walk away with X, Y, and Z and tailor it to the needs of each of those specific stages, right? Because then you can get specific. That's perfect, actually. That's one way you could do it. The other way you could do it is you could scale down the consultation, make it much less uh, formal and therefore intimidating and call it a 15-minute phone call just to get to know one another. Why would anyone want to call me for a 15-minute get-to-know-me-better? Well, yeah, maybe get-to-know-you-better is the wrong way to put it. But if you, can, <laughs> if you can make it less formal and more casual, then they may just want to pick your brain without the formalities of a consultation and a 60-minute appointment on their calendar. Or how about let's, uh, let's talk for 15 minutes about your problem or your issue. Yeah, that's better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's not about you, but about them. Sure. And, 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 then, and then to determine if it makes sense for a longer conversation. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right? So it could, it could be something like, do you want my advice in your CBCT, CBTC project? Schedule a 15-minute phone call to see if it's worth a longer conversation. I'll, you know, and I'll, I'm happy to help, basically, right? Uh, I could see you going in one of two ways uh, with that. I think the, you, you know, you'll definitely create more value if you go the the consultation route, um, and maybe try that to see if people bite. Um, but if they don't, then scale it back and make it less less intimidating, less formal. Maybe I could do uh, this A B testing in Mail uh, Mailchimp. Can we use that as a way to test the two different 
consultation methods or, or that button at the bottom of the email? Or? You need a lot of data, a, a lot of like a, a lot of subscribers to make A/B testing um, to make the data meaningful. Okay. Uh, and you probably don't have that yet. So I, I would keep it. Yeah. I would keep this very manual. Try one thing for now. Just pick one strategy and yeah. go with it. Um, but remember, the goal in the end is for right now for you, and this will change over time. Right now for you, the goal is conversations. You should be willing to have any conversation any way you can get it. And then eventually, right. eventually you'll become more, more, more kind of uh, gated about who you're willing to talk to and what you're willing to talk about. And that's a separate problem. Right. So maybe the uh, 15 minute, uh, let's understand your problem or let's understand uh, what your issue is and see if we need to have a long, longer, longer conversation or not. It's probably the better way to go at the moment. Because this way I'm getting a lot of calls from, or a lot, a lot, like four or five uh, requests. And it's mainly, hey, can you tell me a little bit more about this aspect of CBTC? All they want to do is just mine, mine for information from me and that's it. So maybe I should just tell them, hey, let's have a 15 minute chat. Uh, what do you want to know? And then maybe I could pick something out of that conversation to see if there is something there where they could actually use my expertise on their project or not. And and one could lead to the other, right? So you start with a 15-minute call. And for you, that's a that's a qualification call. And, right. and it's also an opportunity to understand what they're up to, what stage they're at they're in, the, in the process and what their needs might be. And at the end of that call, if you think they're a fit, then you sell them on the next step, which would be that consultation. Right. But by then you have all kinds of data you can use to make that consultation more meaningful and position you for an engagement after it. That's right. Okay. That's two things I need to think about. I'll have to kind of explore that a little bit more. Yeah. Afterwards. Whatever you whatever you decide is that next step to engage you, make sure that's the first thing they see and not the first thing, but that's the main call to action on your website. That's the call to action in all of your emails and it's crystal clear so that if they ever want to talk to you, they don't need to think about how to do it. They just go and do it. Right. And your so LinkedIn profile as well. So website, email, and LinkedIn. Yes. Right now on LinkedIn, I just have uh, at the bottom of it, download my white paper here, and that's it. You're saying I should have a call to action saying, let's talk 15 minutes, click on this link or something. I would put both. Yeah, keep the white paper download, but also say if you're ready for a conversation, you've got some questions about CBTC, I'm open. Here's how you can call me or get in touch. Okay. 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 Now you also had a you had a question around uh, qualifying people that download the white paper. Yes. So my CRM, you, you're talking about. Yeah. What are you doing right now in that respect? Okay. So people are downloading the uh, white paper. The emails are coming in. They get fed into my my CRM, my uh, pipe drive. Uh, there's over six hundred, almost seven hundred emails that are there. Uh, and it's just overwhelming. And I know that with that huge list there, there must be one or two or three contracts hidden somewhere, but they're getting lost in the in the details or, or in that massive list. So I'm just trying to figure out how do I perform triage on this list to kind of whittle it down to find that gold nugget. Uh, and that's what I'm struggling with. I've done a few things. I've kind of grouped them in by operators and consultants and create lists that way. I've done that. I, I've looked at uh, removing those companies I don't want to deal with, like suppliers, because uh, that's not my target market anyway. Um, so I've done basic things like that, but I'm wondering if there's more that I can do to kind of really refine that list uh, to 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 find that that one contract that's just sitting there waiting to be taken. Got it. Okay. 
So uh, I've got a few points here. First of all, I think you have to make a distinction between email subscriber and lead in your CRM. Uh, in a lower, in a, if you had less downloads, then it's not as big of a deal. But with the volume that you're getting, which is a great problem to have, I think a distinction is important. So an email subscriber is not necessarily a lead in your CRM. So I would break break that connection. Fair enough. <laughs> and then I would I would add a process in where you are vetting and qualifying email subscribers and deciding which ones should be created as leads in your CRM. Okay. What do you mean by that? So one way you could do that is you could hire a virtual assistant to, on a weekly basis, review all of your new email subscribers, your existing ones and all the new ones, mm -hmm. and develop a bit of a profile for you. So maybe maybe they gather their LinkedIn data. They do Maybe they put together a spreadsheet with name, title, company, uh, role, and a link to the LinkedIn profile. Shouldn't be hard to do, right? So one second. Take a step back. You're saying look at all the emails and create a profile and determine if they fit into my CRM or not. So what you're saying is don't create this automated process where every single email that goes to MailChimp automatically pops up in my pipe drive. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, because I probably downloaded your white paper, but okay. I'm not I'm not a lead. You don't want me in your CRM. I'm just taking up space. I'm distracting you from the actual high value, high value prospects, right. right? Then I would delete it from my CRM. Yeah, that's fine. You could do that too. I mean, so at some level you want to do this review, whether it's an automatic connection to the CRM and then you, you do the review or you break the connection and only import the ones that are worth importing into the CRM. Either way, that's fine. But at some level, okay. you know, I, I'd recommend hiring for this because it's time consuming and, not, yeah, you yes. know, and, and, and it's not worth your time. But having somebody go ahead and 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 take the email addresses, take the names, find them on LinkedIn, build a profile. It could be as simple as a spreadsheet where you put everybody's name in there, name, email, title, company, LinkedIn profile, maybe a category, whether they're a supplier, operator, or what have you. Uh, and then now you have one place where you can go through it and say, oh, this person looks interesting. Yes, 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 yes. And you're basically saying yay or nay. Are they a lead or are they just a waste of time? Right. Right. If you decide they're a lead, then they go into your into your CRM, and then you have another process that you go through to to pursue them. Okay. Okay. Now with the CRM, now there's two levels at the CRM level as well. There are contacts and there are deals, and it's good to have a distinction between the two. A good best practice here is a contact is not necessarily a deal. So a contact might be someone that downloads your white paper and they pass your criteria for being a lead in, in, in Pipedrive, but you only create a deal once you've had a conversation with them and you know there's an opportunity there. Okay. Right. That way now you're, you have another layer of a filter, right? So you know you need to work contacts to turn them into deals, but when you go to your deals view, you're only looking at the deals that you know are actual opportunities. Okay. Now Pipedrive has the, that whole uh, pipeline you have the lead if you have a conversation then move on to the next one which is your uh contact made and then if you have meeting or rage move it over to the next one so you just kind of follow that pipeline is that what you're talking about yeah that's fine so either they can you can put them by default in that first category but if the numbers are still overwhelming then maybe you don't even do that maybe you just keep them as contacts so you can have a contact in pipe drive in any crm that is not yeah. necessarily a deal so you can okay. keep them as contacts and only create that deal for that first column when you de determine that there is actually an opportunity here because you've had a conversation. Right. It all depends okay. on the numbers. If, if, if you're into the hundreds in that first column, I would, I would, I would say 
treat them as contacts at first. Once you've had a conversation and you see the opportunity, then create a deal. If it's a more manageable number, then it's not, it's not you know, it's not a huge issue. Right. Okay. okay. And then what I would do is, especially in your uh, in in your business, is I would take more of an account based approach to this. So instead of instead of treating each contact as a deal. Uh, I think you should treat each contact as a potential account. So what I mean by that is you probably have only a handful of potential institutional clients in the world, right? There's That's not, correct. There are not thousands of CBTC projects going on that, I, that I'm no. aware of, right? No. There are maybe tens, if that. Well, it, it's basically the number of authorities that are out there deploying these solutions are few. It's basically governments. Uh, so there's only so many governments that are out there, and they may be deploying four or five or two or three projects at a, at a time. Like that's, yeah. But you're right, they're, they're not too many. So what I would do is every time you get a contact that you've decided is, is, is worth pursuing, they're a lead, and they likely work at one of these CBTC operators, right? You add them to your CRM, and then, again, you have your, your virtual assistant. Do a little bit more research around who else is working in that department? Who else is at that operator? What are the different roles? And you can you can create some categories here because you know what the roles are. You know, there's a project manager. You know, there's a design lead. You know the different roles that 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 people play in these projects, right? right? So you can define those roles, have them complete the picture for you, and all this data should be available on LinkedIn. And and then for each account, let's say you want to target, you know, the New York Transit Commission as an example, right? For each account, you can have this map of who is you know who are the decision makers who are the users what are the different roles and their linkedin profiles and then you can get proactive about engaging with all those people or whoever's relevant to engage with right right so then what you so, do is so so somebody from the new york transit authority connects with you downloads your white paper you definitely want to engage with them but in addition to engaging with them you want to be proactive about building relationships elsewhere within the transit authority because more relationships means more chances of getting your way in. I see. Okay. Does that make sense? It's something, it, it does. I have, to, I have to conceptualize a little bit to create a, a map of the people that are engaging with to see who, who you would want to actually uh, pick up that conversation with, I guess. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's a good thing to have the map. In the end, you may only want to talk to certain people in certain roles. And that's fine, right. right? So it's good to know who's who, but it's also good to know who's your best entry point. Uh, maybe it's the person that downloaded the white paper, in which case go for it. Maybe it's not, right? So, so in, in one example, one example might be the person that downloaded the white paper might not be the person you want to talk to, in which case maybe with them, you're asking for a referral to somebody else. No. So they're like you're in the foot in the door, and then from there you just try to kind of open that door a little bit more. That's exactly after it. talking to them, and yeah. you and you won't know what the strategy is until you see the whole picture, right? So I mean, this this is That's what they right. call account based selling, and there's like books written on this topic. So okay, <laughs> so I won't try to to explain it all to, you, to, to in this call, but the point is, you you definitely need to adopt an account based approach, um, and and really maybe you know having like a list of ten target accounts would make sense. And then not only waiting for them to download, but also being deliberate about reaching out to people within those organizations through LinkedIn uh, would make a lot of sense. Okay, I understand. Because now you have you have a lot of the information. You have the white paper. You have all, all this collateral that you could use to fuel that kind of outreach. Right. What do you think? 
it's something I'm going to have to wrap my head around. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. That's the thing. Yeah. So I, I need to wrap my head around and see how I would approach it. Yeah. Cause in the end, if you've got 10 potential clients that you know in the world would hire you, uh, I don't really want you sifting through the weeds of the 300 some odd leads in your CRM. I want you to focus on those 10 clients and uh, you know, it's the white paper is good. Having people download it is good. The emails are good. All of that is good. Right. But, but that's what I would con that's what I would, I would call an inbound approach. And those can lead to opportunities that you might not have been able to get otherwise. But at the same time, I would couple that with an outbound account-based approach where you're really getting targeted about the transit authorities that you want to approach and how you're going to approach them. But I would only target those that are in my CRM, I guess. So if there's a, an authority out there and no one from that organization has downloaded my white paper, I wouldn't even bother them. I guess I would look at my CRM, see the ones that have actually downloaded it and see, okay, is this a fit or not? And then target them. Is that correct? No, I don't think so. I think definitely follow up people that, that download the white paper because it means there's interest there for sure. But if you've got 10 target transit authorities, why not do some proactive outreach to all of them? And use, sure. the, and use the white paper, right? So the white paper can, can, can go into that sequence. So you might have a uh, – maybe, maybe you send LinkedIn connection requests to a certain role within the transit authority. Not everybody, but maybe in the beginning a certain role that you want to engage. Uh, and, and you'll get them to accept the request because you're really well positioned on LinkedIn. That's not going to be an issue. And, um, and then you engage them in a conversation. You tell them that you have a white paper that you wrote on this and this and this. And if they're interested, you can email them a copy and then you send it to them and then you follow up from there and, and see if you can get a conversation. I mean, I, I think you should definitely do that. You have everything you need to be able to do that. Isn't uh, I understand what you're saying. Uh, aren't we disconnecting now the CRM from this approach? So if you're saying that we should go after those, you know, those 10 transit agencies that are out there, regardless of whether they're in the CRM or not then we're kind of bypassing the whole CRM process, aren't we? So we're just saying, okay, here it is. Let's just target these these three or these five or 10 organizations that are out there and focus on that. Good question. Okay, so let's get clear about what a CRM is. A CRM is a tool that you use to track your sales and business development activities. Right. Okay. How, how do you decide what goes into your CRM? Two ways. One is people that come in inbound they contact you, they download your white paper, they've taken some action of their own volition and reached out to you. And of them, you only want people that you vetted as qualified to enter your CRM, not everybody, right? Yeah. The other source of contacts is people that you identify as being ideal buyers that you want to reach out to, that you want to build a relationship with. And you also add them to your CRM. I got you. So there's two methods of filling that CRM. So one is the white paper. One is something that maybe I have targeted or I found on my own. Yeah. So if you ask an inbound marketer, he'll give you the first answer. If you ask a, 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 an old school salesperson, he'll give you the second answer. In reality, do both. <laughs> okay. Because they're, bo they're both good <laughs> strategies. Sure. Yes. Right. But then what do I do with, oh, fine, that's one, one approach. That's one method of doing it. That's, I guess, the traditional uh, way that you're talking about. Now, what do I do with the list that I currently have in my CRM from these white papers? So we kind of vet it, and then we have a, a vetted list of uh, leads, as you call them, in my CRM. So I think you need, you need to have a very tailored approach for those top 10 accounts, right? Uh, 10 is an arbitrary number. Maybe it's 20. Maybe it's 30. I don't know, right? Have a short list of accounts that you're pursuing. You are one person. You cannot pursue every account right now. 
right? Yep. So have a manageable list of accounts that you're pursuing. If anybody comes into your CRM that's not on that list or doesn't make it to that list, then from a from a sales perspective, you ignore them. They keep getting your emails. That's fine. But until they raise their hands and ask for a conversation, you're going to ignore them because you're pursuing these 10, 15, 20 accounts. And those accounts could be from the inbound approach, could be from the outbound approach, could be both. Okay. Right. So, so you got to separate, you know, there's the marketing stuff you're doing, writing the emails, the autoresponder, all of that needs to happen. But then there's the actual sales and business development outreach that you're going to focus in on a handful of accounts that are high value. And for those, I mean, again, read up on account-based selling. There are frameworks to keep in mind, but there's no co cookie cutter approach, right? You want to have a really custom tailored approach to each account. And that'll require research. It'll require building that map of, of, of decision makers and, and roles and users. I mean, it's going to require a lot of a lot of heavy thinking, which is why you want to limit it and not spread yourself too thin. Right. OK, there's a lot of thinking there. I got <laughs> to absorb myself into that because I never uh, I mean, this is not something that I've ever thought about. That's the thing. So, yeah. But, but does that does that so your question was your question was, I've got all these leads coming in. Shouldn't I be more proactive? Does that does that help you understand the way in no, which? No, absolutely. Be, yeah, it's just it's just uh, uh, finding that target uh, or those five or ten accounts that you need to target. Uh, is, is distilling that from the list or identifying them. That's what I need to figure out first, and then who you contact in those organizations. Okay, let me let me give you a couple of ideas here. Also, um, so. Knowing who you want to talk to is one thing, right? And not only the transit authority, but also the role within the transit authority, because there's likely certain roles that you really want to have a conversation with because you've determined they're your best entry point into the organization. So you define what that is, okay? Having a conversation with them is a different story. Maybe it'll be easy. I don't know. Maybe you'll reach out. They'll see your profile. They'll read the white paper. And if it's personal, they'll want to have a conversation. That would be great. Maybe it won't be so easy. You can experiment with different offers to make that conversation an easier thing to say yes to. A couple of ideas. One is podcast interviews. Uh, you can, you could, you know, this is certainly a, a larger project. It's not easy to implement, but something to think about is you could, you could develop a CBTC podcast where you interview thought leaders in the industry and you seed the podcast with your own relationships that are easy to get. So you, you know a, a number of people in the industry already who would be good to share, uh, to, to have on the podcast and to share their ideas on CBTC. You bring them on and then you start doing outreach to prospective clients and you say, I have the leading CBTC podcast. Here's who I've interviewed. People like you go on shows like this <laughs> effectively, right? I would love to hear about what you're up to. And that's how you get the conversation. That's one idea. A lighter version of that would be to frame some kind of a research project. So maybe you're gathering data. And actually, I saw you posted something on LinkedIn about how you're you're looking for people's, uh, you're looking for feedback on what they're up to or, or challenges they're facing because you're gathering data, something like that, right? So you could say, I'm reaching out to project managers at the top 15 or 20 CBTC projects that I'm aware of and just trying to gather some data on, you know, X. And you're framing it effectively as a research process or an interview. And what you choose to do with that data can vary. It could be compiled into a report that you send back to them. It could be an article where you're sharing some of the best practices. It could be any number of things. But both of those uh, will likely, all things considered, get you a better response rate than just asking for a conversation. 
So feed them some information, get them to think, uh, and then they reach out to you. Yeah, because they don't feel like it's it, it doesn't feel like a sales pitch anymore, right? So yeah. they're they're more likely to respond because a they get to talk about how smart they are, which everyone loves to do, right? Sure. Um, and b there's a there's a uh, an indication of some value that they'll receive in the end. They'll get the report, or they'll read the article, or their name will be on a list of the top ten CBTC project managers in you know whatever, right? Um, yeah. So. I would only do that, to be honest, if you're having a hard time getting conversations, because ideally you go straight for the jugular and you get the conversation and you cut out all the fat. Right. That's right. But if that's not quite working out, that doesn't mean that you're you're out of luck. It just means you have to get more creative about having that conversation. That, I guess that would be uh, follow the earlier steps that you mentioned first before coming down to this level, a podcast or some other method that you just mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you an example. There's a gentleman that I've interviewed for the show. Uh, I think his interview is going live in, in a month or so named Philip Eidson, who has a podcast called The Art of Procurement. Um, and he interviewed, you know, CPOs, chief procurement officers, VPs of procurement, directors of procurement for his show. Um, and it wasn't trying to sell anything, wasn't trying to pitch anything. He just did these interviews and now he's launched a consulting service and he's got, like you know, 100, 150 warm relationships with executive procurement folks, key decision makers at all these big companies that he can call up and say, here's what I'm doing. What do you think? And that's invaluable. That's because you had the uh, because you had these interviews with them. He warmed them up through the interview and and through the interview. It's, so the relationship is one thing, but also the profile. Right. He is the host of the art of procurement, which is probably the largest procurement podcast out there. How many could there be? Right. So, right. <laughs> so it's, it's a nice way to double down on the already strong positioning that you have as a CBTC thought leader, because now you're the host of what I would assume would be on, the only CBTC podcast out there. It, yes, most likely. <laughs> yeah. So again, I wouldn't necessarily do that tomorrow, but it's something to think about down the road. Some further down the road. Yeah, that's right. Name. Right. Uh, any other questions? Uh, no, uh, that was about it. Okay. Well, listen, thanks for coming on the show. Looking forward to seeing how things progress and, uh, hope to hear from you soon. Thank you very much. Hey, it's Ahmed here again. Before I let you go, there are two things I want you to do. The first is if you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the show on iTunes or Google play by visiting forecast.fm and clicking on the relevant link. While you're at it, please do leave us a rating or a review because it helps more people discover the show. The second thing is I want you to grab my free course on the five P's of lead generation for professional services firms. Inside the course, you will get a step-by-step -step framework to help you generate a flood of new business for your firm. The course is 100% free of charge and you can get immediate access at 5leadgen.com and you can spell out five or use the number, either one works. That's 5leadgen.com. Thanks for listening.